Hi everyone, welcome back to the Pilot's Wife podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about the well-known advice that we get uh, when it comes to relationships about you can't change your partner, you can only change yourself, and I want to talk about the real truth behind changing your partner. So here's the question. For those of us who don't have a picture-perfect relationship, who don't put our highlights reel on social media and pretend it's all rosy, where can I get some down-to-earth inspiration without any religious barriers? Who can give me real-life encouragement, help me be a better spouse, and tell me how to get an even more enriching relationship without becoming a doormat? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Amy McLaren, and this is the Pilot's Wife Podcast. I'm sure we've all thought at one point of time or other that there's something wrong in our relationship, whatever it might be, and it's all up to the other person that needs to change. There's no problem except them, and um, if they would only just change this one way that they respond to something or do something, then we'd all be a lot better off. And actually, um, if you, if anywhere you look when it comes to relationship advice, um, any wise person will tell you, well, you can't change your partner, you have to change yourself. Um, and I, I want to talk about that because I think that that it's, yes, it's, it's true at face value, but when people take it at face value and take that advice and try and apply it in their relationships, they might apply it in a way that makes them feel like they're being a doormat. And so I just wanted to go into this quite deeply and, and talk about it here. So actually, there's a well-known concept in the field of psychology, and actually salespeople and marketers use this all the time, that leads that actually leads to change behaviours. Um, and, and I learnt this as part of my bachelor's degree. But one of the first times I saw it applied to relationships was when I was trying to help a couple that were going through something quite serious. And so what had happened is that He'd started using narcotics, and and she didn't know, but he'd started to kind of go to parties relatively frequently, and and they have a they have a business or had a business together, and so it was kind of like he was he was socialising with people for the purposes of the business or that kind of thing, and it kind of led to a bit more of that, and it got more common, um, and then she found out that he was using narcotics, and then over time, he just said, "Oh, I'm not." Uh, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be in the relationship anymore. And so, and so I was working with her to try and build that relationship back up. And what I saw was that was that over time he'd he'd been undertaking this behaviour that was not in, not in line with what behaviour you'd expect from a, a husband who loved his wife and his kids. And so what happened was um, the behaviour that he was doing started to lead him to start to change his thinking and he started to think, oh, maybe, you know, she isn't the right wife for me or I'm not the best husband or uh, I don't love her anymore, uh, I'm not, you know. And, and from there started to kind of really change his thinking of it's her fault that I'm doing this, that I'm not a good husband. She's, I don't like the way that she brings up the kids. Um, I could do it differently, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and slowly his mind started changing. This happened over a couple of years, but um, that, that process happened because he'd started doing the behaviour that was incongruent with his role as a father and a husband. And so um, there's a name for this in psychology. It's called cognitive dissonance. So really what it's saying is uh, when people undertake a certain behaviour that's incongruent with their values and beliefs, then they have a feeling of tension or un unease or or dissatisfaction or something like that 
and they call that cognitive dissonance. And so in order to ease that tension, they've already done the behaviour, so they change their thinking to align with that behaviour. And so um, what, what, the, what they might try and do is, is justify the behaviour by, oh, it, you know, this must be the case. And this example that I've given just now is, is where behaviours change for the worse, but it can also be applied in, in reverse. It can be applied to improve behaviour as well. And <laughs> I've definitely experienced this myself when, when buying stuff. Have you ever been sold something where you get your money back if you change your mind? That's called the puppy dog clothes. So you have the behaviour of, I bought it, and that changes your mindset, so it must be good. And then any kind of suggestion afterwards that maybe it wasn't a good purchase, um, you then have this this cognitive dissonance, and so you would try and justify it with any or all other reasons for why you still should have done that behaviour. Um, and that reduces that tension. So if you bought it, if you ended up buying a puppy dog, and you got home and your, um, your family just went, what the heck? You've already bought it, and so you're in your mind. You're already a, a puppy owner, and it's like, well, you know, he had no other home to go to. Um, they were going to put him down if they couldn't get rid of him. You know, like you find anything and anything to um, to justify it because you've already done the behaviour, rather than feel bad that you might have made a wrong decision or a, or a wrong action. So, the puppy dog closes is one way that that sales and marketing people use to get people to undertake a behaviour that will lead to a change of mind. But another way uh, is to provide a lot of new information that gets them to take a step, maybe, for example, requesting more information. Um, so people might uh, so people might want to give their details so they can get more information, or um, maybe they might want to um, enter a competition to increase their chances of winning something. So these are tactics to kind of get you to do a behaviour in order to start changing that thinking towards um, maybe that you need that thing or want that thing that they're selling. And it's not necessarily an evil thing because often people are selling or marketing things that can be useful or helpful to us, um, but it is up to us to decide if it is or isn't. And in relationships, many studies have shown that people do change when they fall in love to make the relationship better, make it run more smoothly. Have you ever known someone with no interest in sports, for example, and they meet someone, they fall in love and suddenly, um, you know, they don't miss a rugby game on the weekend and that's all they talk about because, you know, then your partner's crazy about the sport and so suddenly they're into it as well. And it could be many examples like this, but we do actually change in our relationships to make the relationship go more smoothly or more easily or, or gel together better because we're in love. So we do, um, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because it, it's not just directly true that you can't change your partner, you have to change because we do see it in relationships and we do voluntarily change um, to, to make it better. But, you know, it's, what, it's about what, what makes us make that change. One study, and if you're interested, it was Slaughter and Gardner that did this one. They called their study, How Needing You Changed Me. And it proposes that some of us are more malleable than others. But other researchers have focused on the ways we change. And generally, it's things like, they call it self-expansion, which is positive self-growth. Um, you know, change for the better, becoming a better person in, in some way or other. And then there's pruning, which is where we might reduce our negative behaviours, uh, we might stop doing, you know, we might stop going out and partying all the time and we might we might stop swearing so much or we might, you know, stop doing some of these things that we're actually not so proud of. And we can also change in ways where we have negative self-growth, where we might 
we might start reflecting some of the negative behaviours that we find in the other person that we, we take on that are not so positive. And so those things all happen, um, all can happen when we fall in love. So we do change and we can change as a result of being influenced by our partner and them by us. So what I was thinking was, how about thinking of some ways to start with where your partner has changed you? And think about some ways where you've changed your partner. Can you think of any? I think I can. Um, so for self-expansion, I never really gotten into self-help books, but when I met Josh, he was really into that. Self-development, self-help books. He had heaps of them. And so uh, he kind of introduced them to me, and then I got really into it. And we both shared that, that interest that previously I wasn't even aware of. Um, let's think about the area of pruning. I knew a couple who used to drink and party a lot and uh, and and well the the so the guy used to drink and party a lot and when he fell in love with his future wife uh, he you know just stopped doing that so much I mean I guess part of the reason maybe he did that was to meet someone you know a lot of us we do we go out to the nightclubs and the pubs and stuff and that's a way of meeting people not really necessary anymore when you've got when you've found the love of your life and um, even negative self-growth um, I've seen this in a couple close to us uh, he had a really bad relationship with his family such that he actually disowned them and he pretends they don't exist. And um, once they were married, she slowly started to alienate her family as well. She's already not speaking to one of her parents and he doesn't speak to any of her family and avoids family events, even though they don't come to their Christmas um, their Christmas events either. So I, I guess I see that as an example of some negative self-growth. So going back to the generic advice about... You need to change because you can't change others. Well, I think what we've learned and what I've been talking about is we we can, but only by influencing them. So they need to make that final decision to change because changing is voluntary. Just like lovers, we can't make anyone love us and we can't make anyone change for us. So what we're doing or what we need to do is to change in a strategic way ourselves, figuring out a way that will persuade them to change because they want to. So it involves us doing something differently, yes, because what we're currently doing obviously hasn't worked if they haven't changed, but but do something differently ourselves with a strategic purpose. So not just that I'll respond differently, I'll let it go instead of getting upset, I'll treat them nicer so they don't do it again, which, which to be honest is really, that'll end up making us feel like a doormat and it will probably encourage that behaviour in them. So we don't want that. But, but equally, you know, we don't want to manipulate our partner and please don't think of this as manipulation. So you love them and you're not going to do that to them but this is finding a way to improve the harmony in your relationship which will benefit you both by thinking strategically about how you can persuade them to maybe change behavior that's not working for the team it's not working for both of you so think of the thing maybe a specific thing if you have one that you think your partner needs to change um that you know if, if he if he or she just changed it there'd, there'd be no problem and is there a specific behavior that you can start to elicit from them which might cause some change of mind and um, what I want to do is talk about a couple of a couple of um, a couple of them a couple of techniques one of them is called positive reinforcement so let's say you think they need to be tidier or cleaner cleaner you tell yourself oh they never tidy up they're always so dirty um, and, and that kind of always and never kind of make it makes you feel upset. It and and what it does is it leads to nagging or, or nasty responses because we feel trapped. We feel like it's never going to get better because they're always like this, right? 
and it, what what we might find, and what we probably will find, is it's it's not actually true that they're always like that. That they're always dirty. That they're never tidy. And I'll bet, you know, and I'm just using this as an example, but put in you know put in whichever word you're thinking other than tidy or clean. I bet you can find tiny examples of things where they've tidied or cleaned. Um, and so this this technique is to to catch them doing those or notice them afterwards and tell them oh you're actually a tidy person and or, or thank you for helping keep the house tidy for both of us or thank you for cleaning that up I really appreciate it and and when you're doing that you're you're changing they've already done the behavior in that case you don't even have to get them to elicit the behavior but you can reinforce it by uh, by then helping them change their mind to think that they are a tidy person and, and, and in doing that when they get that that praise and that reinforcement, it makes them start thinking, "I am a tidy person," and then they they, they do they can start doing that behaviour more. Um, I didn't make that that one up. That comes from a book called Well Done, which I really recommend reading, which is talking about reinforcing positive behaviour, ignoring negative behaviour. Uh, the second one that I want to talk about is I call it like for like. It's let's say you don't feel loved, and people people who do feel loved show love back. And so uh, one way to try and mm, improve the situation by making yourself feel more loved is, is starting the process off by showing love right. And the reason I'm saying this is because this is a common mistake that people make in marriages because they don't understand that you can show love in a way that the, the other partner doesn't recognise or doesn't respond to because they recognise different things as feeling loved. And so it's really, really important to find out what does make them feel loved and then do those things rather than do the things that make you feel loved and then it just sort of goes past um, and they don't even notice because it, it's not something, it's not uh, one of their love languages. So there, there's, um, there is a, a guy called Gary Chapman and he's written a book called The Five Love Languages and he talks about the five different things that you can express that will make your partner feel loved and I, again, again I highly recommend it. You can even, you can even Google five love languages and do a survey online um, but really um, you need to read about the, the results and, and what they each mean and, and what kinds of things you can do to speak the other's love language because you sort of have to learn a new language. Like for example, um, one of the love languages is called positive words of affirmation um, and I have a friend who who knew this about her husband or found out about it and she just said I just struggle because it's saying things like you're so awesome you're amazing you know you're really good at that and she just so struggled with it she's like oh I know I need to do it but it just makes me feel yuck inside and uh, and she really had to work at it she had to learn she had to change that mindset and start doing it because when she was able to do that for him then he was able to speak one of her love languages back because he felt loved and he wanted to reciprocate. And another book that I really, I really, really recommend is called Love and Respect by Dr. Egerix. And he talks about the different ways that men and women feel loved, being uh, that a woman, um, she feels loved by being adored. And I guess that's things like, um, you know, and being cherished and being treated like she's, you know, the, the, only, the only woman on earth. Um, and, and we interpret that as, as the love that we think of, you know, when we, we bandy about that word love. That's more commonly, I guess, identified with in females. But what Dr. Egerick says is that men identif identify with feeling respected as being equated to feeling loved. And so if we can show respect for our husbands and for our partners, then, um, then that's what makes them feel loved. And so that's things like 
you know, I, I really respect how you do this for us. And, you know, even a really quick win to make your husband feel loved is to say this sentence, I respect how you go out to work and provide for our family. And even better if you write it down in a little love note or something like that, because it's telling him that you notice what he's doing and you love him for it. So in this example, what you're doing is you're you're changing strategically the way that you're reacting and start showing them love and then you're hoping that they will change and return and, and return that love. And so the I think what you're doing here is what you do is you elicit when you start showing love to them in the way that they recognize, then when they behave positively to that, you know, they might do an act, they might say thank you or they might do something for you, you know, after that, because they appreciate it, they can't help it. And when they do that behavior, then they must then they must follow that with, okay, well if I'm doing that behavior, I must love them. And then it slowly changes their mind. So if you if you're encouraging that kind of reciprocation over time, it, you know, make it, it develops that love and that closeness together. So those are just two techniques that you can use to try and affect change in your partner by changing your behavior strategically. So again, we're not being a doormat here, we're doing it strategically in a way that we can try and elicit a behavior that will start to change their mind about this particular thing that you're concerned with. And I've given some examples of um, how you might want to feel more loved or how you might want them to be more tidy, but you know, you can replace um, those examples with whatever thing you're thinking and then think strategically about what kind of behavior could I elicit that might then start them trying to, you know, start changing their, their mindset about that as well. And that would that would result in lasting change because when you when your mind is, is is changed for the better, then the then it's more likely to be lasting change as well. There is one other way that I want to go over, but I want to go over it in much more detail. And so I'm going to do that in the next episode. And I want to talk about problem solving. In our courses, we talk a lot about how there are a number of things that you're marrying about your partner that, that come into play when you face issues down the track. And one idea of pre-marriage education is that you find out a lot about, you found out about, you find out about those before you get married. And so when you do face problems, you've kind of, you're on the front foot because you know about those already and you can go, oh, is it one of those things? Is that what's contributing to this? And so um, this is different to marriage counselling, which is, um, I guess has a quite a um, an emotional kind of um, attachment to the word marriage counselling, and and um, and this is not that. This is going okay. We're going to go into a session with the purpose of coming out with an output that is beneficial to both of us, and so problem solving, and that is another way of changing a behaviour uh, and a mindset. But I'll cover that in the next podcast. In the meantime, I hope that's helped. I hope that's given you some tips, and I hope. Uh, you can use some of that. Um, I'd love to hear your comments if you want to comment and please subscribe if you haven't already so you can um, get notification when the next podcast comes out next week. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much and I'll talk to you again next time. Kaki te.